been doing this series on authentic prayer, um, a series where we've been talking about how we get to not only speak to God and communicate with God, but genuinely trust God. We've been looking at how prayer is, is, is connected to our trust, and when we struggle to trust and we struggle to believe and we struggle to, um, to understand what God has done for us through the gospel, then in that same sense, we'll also struggle to pray. We'll doubt the effectiveness of prayer. And so what we're looking for here at Anchor Church is not a religious show. Like, we didn't start this, show, this, this, this church so that we can put on a show and this, that we can just get involved in some sort of a religious program where we just kind of enlist people into this religious uh, setup that we, that we have created for ourselves. We did this because of something that we authentically believe about the heart of God. And so that's why we said we believe God is calling us for this. Let's step out and do something that is real, something that's going to help people connect with God and understand His heart and, and walk in His ways and, and, and grow in, in, their, in their knowledge of Him. And when Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, this is what he says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would come to know Him. God wants us to know Him, and, and Paul prays for the church. He says, church, I want you to not just do a religious duty, but I want you to know Him. He says, my, my express purpose is to become more intimately acquainted with the wonders of His person. And that's what we want to do here at Anchor Church. We want to help you become more intimately acquainted with the wonders of who Jesus is. We, we're all about Jesus. We're a church that is imperfect in so many ways. But the one thing that we'll always strive to do is put Jesus up in front of everyone and say, this is where our faith is. It's all about Jesus. It's our number one value as a church, that it's all about Jesus. And so when we came to prayer, we said, we don't want to get caught up in another lesson about how to pray religiously. Because we've all learned how to pray religiously. We've all learned the little formulas and, 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 and all the different things that we are supposed to do in order to have a prayer life. Although in my own life, I have at times, I remember praying for more than an hour and realizing an hour later that I had not even thought about Jesus or His goodness towards me in all of that time of prayer. The Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' day, they, they prayed more than anyone. But Jesus spoke about them and He said, their hearts are far from me. And so what God wants for us is something different to that. He wants something authentic. He wants genuine trust, genuine relationship, something very real. He wants us to develop our faith in the gospel and our faith in a God who hears us, a God who answers us, a God who is involved with our everyday lives, a God who is speaking to us all of the time so that we can go from a religious program of prayer to a lifestyle of prayer where prayer is as natural to us as breathing. That's what happens when you realize the closeness of God to your life and His heart for you. So the scripture that we've been looking at throughout this series is Hebrews 11 and verse 6. We're going to keep this as our main scripture for the series. After that, I'll read Philippians 4 verse 6, um, which is the part that I want to focus on today. Uh, I'm going to be sharing a message with you today entitled, Do Not Be Anxious. Do not be anxious. If you missed any of the previous messages, we do upload them onto SoundCloud. You can find it on our website, um, anchorjoburg.org, uh, and you can also go onto um, soundcloud.com and then search Anchor Church Joburg, and you'll find us there. But Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. 
For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists. We've got to believe that He is and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. We've got to believe two things, that God is true, that He is real, that He exists, and that He is a rewarder, that He is good, that He is gracious, that He is kind. Our prayer life is intricately connected to our faith in God's goodness. Philippians 4 verse 6 then says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands God over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us this morning, and then we're going to get into this piece of Scripture and uh, I trust that you'll be encouraged. Father, we thank you so much this morning that we can just, right now, we can just come to you. We can come as we are, Lord God, with all of our doubts, with all of our fears, with all of our failures, Lord God. There's nothing that keeps us this morning from hearing your voice. We thank you, Jesus, that you have brought us into this place this morning so that you could speak to us, so that you could encourage our faith, so that you could cause us to grow, Father, in our knowledge of you. I pray that every heart in this place, mine included, would receive a greater revelation and a greater understanding of how faithful you are and how present you are in our everyday lives. We give you all the glory for this moment, Lord God. We thank you for your word and the way in which it reveals Jesus to us. And we thank you, God, that this morning we will see more of you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So um, whenever I've read the Bible speak about anxiety or speak about worry, saying things like, don't be anxious, because, I mean, did you know that was there in the Bible? Did you know the Bible's like, hey, don't worry about this, Jesus, like, don't worry. Uh, the Bible says, don't be anxious, uh, don't, you know, don't be concerned, cast your burdens onto, onto God, He cares for you, you know, all of those things that we've heard about. Um, whenever I've read that in the Bible, though, if I'm just completely honest, I've wondered whether the Bible could actually foresee, whether those who wrote the Bible could have foreseen what it would be like to live in today's times of 2016. The busyness, the stressfulness, um, you know, the traffic, uh, the financial pressures, the, the, the pressure of everyday life living in the world that we live in today. Because whenever we think about a time before our current moment, we always think it was a much simpler time. Like, in 1984, everybody was concerned about how crazy the world was. Now we're like, oh, 1984, such a simple time, you know? Um, and, 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 and so we think that everything before us, before this time, was simpler and that the world is getting more complicated and more difficult and more dangerous all of the time. So oftentimes when we read the Bible and the Bible says, hey, don't be anxious about this, don't worry about this, we're like, does the Bible, do, do they actually understand what I'm going through right now? Right? We always think that our situation is the biggest, most unsolvable situation to God. We always see our predicament because we're the ones in it as this, the one thing. Like, God can do anything, but this thing that I've got, man, that's like, that's a challenge, you know? We, we've got this perception that God can help everyone, but He can't necessarily help us when we face certain things. And that's the real challenge of our faith. 
we wonder whether the Bible is actually speaking into our situation, whether it's relevant for what we're going through right now. And then I thought about that a little bit as I was preparing for this message, and I realized that most of the Bible was actually written in the time of conquest, in the time when nations and empires would conquer other nations and oftentimes go in and sack a city and kill everyone in that city, or, or if they were lucky, take them all as slaves, and, and, and would dominate territories and, and overthrow rulership, and, and, and it was actually a much more perilous time to live in than the modern times that we live in today. It was a time when nations would go out against each other on a daily basis. And I thought, like, you know, sometimes we're worried about somebody breaking into our house or, you know, financial pressure. But can you imagine what, being worried that any moment now Botswana would attack us? They're such nice people. I don't think they ever would. But, you know, or some other nation would just show up and say, that's it. You're all slaves. You all belong to us now. Can you, can you imagine the fear and the unsettledness that the people in this Bible time were actually living with, knowing that that was a genuine reality. And if you were lucky to have been kept alive, then oftentimes the people of those nations would fall under the empire of the nation that conquered it, and they would be taxed heavily for all of their money. All of their money would go. They're trying to keep their families alive, and this other nation just needs to keep up their war efforts, and is just demanding more and more money. So talk about financial pressure. I mean, we have, we have to pay taxes, and we, we pay quite a lot of tax in South Africa, but it's nothing like having some other nation come in and take our money because they want to further their war efforts. This is what the people in the Bible dealt with. I think about medicine, about health, how today when you are sick or, you know, um, you break an arm or something happens, you go to the hospital, and you, there's so many procedures and routine procedures now, and such great equipment. Back then, uh, if your child got sick or if you got bitten by a snake like Paul did in Scripture or if you had an injury, um, which today would be easily treatable back then, it would actually be life-threatening. And so our life expectancy has, or the life expectancy of mankind has more than doubled since the Bible times. Back then, if you made it to 40, you know, they all threw you a big party because it was probably your last year. Um, and so it was, it was a, a difficult time to be alive. Even when Paul wrote this letter to the church in, in Philippi, at that time, the whole of Israel had been conquered by Rome, and those taxes had been demanded of Israel. They were living under the rulership of a nation that wasn't their own. They weren't free people at that time. And the Christians specifically were being persecuted for their faith. Here in South Africa, we don't ex, uh, experience the kinds of persecution that the guys in the Bible did. Just five years after Paul wrote this letter, Christians were literally being fed to the lions in the Colosseum. I mean, that's anxiety, right? If you knew that coming to Anchor Church, some people are like, I'm not going to Anchor Church because it's December. People back then were like, if I go to church, I might be fed to a lion. So when Paul writes this letter, and when he talks about pressure, and when he talks about anxiety, he knows what he's talking about. He experienced those things himself, probably far greater than any of us have experienced in this life. And yet, the Bible and Paul himself, who went through all of these things, he still says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And so the question this morning is, 
how do we do that? Because the way that Paul puts it as this command to not be anxious sounds like there's a choice in it for us. It sounds like he's actually saying that you can choose to be anxious or you could choose to not be anxious. And, and any of you who have been anxious, the worst thing that you can be told is to not be anxious, right? Or when you're not calm, the worst thing somebody can tell you is to be calm. Like, don't tell me to be calm when I'm not calm, because it's not going to help me. And so when we go through this, and when we go through this anxiety that we experience in life, we often wonder, how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to choose to not be anxious? My answer often, and what, what our answer as people often is, is to try and simplify our environment. So we're like, what are the things that are causing the anxiety? Let's just take those out of there. So if, if there's a certain job that I have that's causing the anxiety, let me find a new job. We, we try and simplify our environment. And what I've often done is, more than simplifying, I've tried to control my environment. We actually get stressed more and more and more because we decide to do everything we can to take control of our environment. That's very much my mode when I'm stressed out. Let me see if I can fix everything, and then there won't be any more stress. Anybody like me? Come on. And it burns us out. You know why? Because we can't control everything. We, we lie to ourselves about the measure of control we actually have in this life. And so our human way of dealing with anxiety is to try and cancel the cause or to try and minimize its effect in our lives. But there are so many situations where this just isn't possible. Where it isn't possible for us to have this kind of control. And how do we overcome fear? How do we find freedom from anxiety in those situations? Is the question for today. The Bible gives us an answer. And it's actually in the scripture that we already read just a while ago. The Bible's answer to anxiety is to trust. The answer to anxiety is to trust in God. It's a faith issue. More than just to trust in a religious process, it's to trust in Christ Himself. That's the answer to anxiety, is to just trust that God is in control, to trust that even though we can't control everything, to trust that even though we don't know everything and have everything under our own control, that God does. And so when the biblical authors kind of give these commands, oftentimes what they do is they tell us not only what to do, but how to do it. And this scripture that we read in, in Philippians is exactly that. They call us to do an action, but they also tell us the manner in which that action should be performed. So when Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, do not be anxious, but pray, he's not just giving you two alternatives. What he's actually saying is, don't be anxious by praying. Your remedy to overcoming the anxiety is actually to engage in prayer. It actually helps you to deal with that anxiety. Prayer directly attacks anxiety in your life. 
oftentimes on the roads, if a big truck carrying a harmful chemical like acid or something, when it falls over and spills on the ground, oftentimes you'll see that they will spray a neutralizing agent on it to take away the harm that that chemical could do to the environment. And that is exactly what prayer does. When the toxins of anxiety are swirling around inside of our, our souls, inside of our minds, inside of our spirit, the moment we begin to pray, it's like releasing a neutralizing agent that just causes all of that damage to be undone. It nullifies anxiety, directly attacking anxiety in our lives. Where we allow ourselves to rest in the faith and knowledge that God is in control, that's where peace enters into our life. The more you pray, the more you trust, the more you experience the peace of God. You see, we are pulled towards chaos in this world. There are so many things that fight for our attention that, that, that weigh heavily on us. And what God is often calling us to do is to fix our eyes on Him instead. To rest in Him, to trust in Him. And the moment we begin to pray, that's what we're declaring. We're declaring that God is faithful, that we believe He is true, and that we believe He is a rewarder, and therefore we can, we can find peace in Him. When, when uh, Paul writes there, he says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. You can just go ahead and put that up. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. But in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Isn't it amazing that he says, when you pray, the way that I want you to pray is I actually want you to thank God for what you're praying for. I actually want you to understand that we're not, we're not trying to fight against God's reluctance and overcome His reluctance. We're laying a hold of His willingness. And so we're not going, please God, we're not begging God like beggars. We're saying, please God, will you do this? Please God, will you do this? Instead, we're thanking Him as children would, knowing that their God or their Father is good and trusting in Him. It's a statement of faith. When we pray, we bring our hearts in line with God's promises. We say that we believe that God is faithful. We believe that we have everything pertaining to life and godliness in Jesus. We already have it. And so I think there's an attitude here that God wants us to pray in a faithful way as opposed to in a way where we doubt whether He will truly even answer us. What makes that prayer effective? It's what you believe about God's heart towards you. It's what we believe about how God works on our behalf. Prayer works because God works. <laughs> prayer works because God is at work in those situations. And so I read this interesting thing where Watchman Nee actually said that the more we understand the gospel, the less we'll pray and the more we'll praise. <laughs> the more we'll just start thanking God for all the things that we believe is already ours in His hand. Watchman E then went on to say this. He says, the purpose of prayer is not to notify God. It's not like we, hey God, in case you haven't noticed, you know, I need some help. It's not to notify God, but to express our trust, our faith, our expectation, and our heart's desire. We're not notifying Him of our problems. We're expressing that we trust Him in the midst of our problems. We're expressing that we believe that He is at work even when we can't see it. 
And in many ways, what we're doing is we're actually reminding ourselves of how faithful this God is that we serve. The moment you begin to pray, it's very difficult to still worry because you're busy expressing your faith in this God who cares for you. And what it says will happen as you do that. Paul writes this and he says, the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, reassures you deep down inside, that peace which transcends all understanding. So even when your situation looks like there should be no peace in this situation, reassuring the heart, transcending all understanding, the peace which stands God over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's yours. The moment you begin to pray, the peace of God stands God over your heart and mind, not allowing uh, the, the, the doubt and the fear and the anxiety and the insecurity and the lack and the, and the danger and, and all these things that may be very real in the physical, but the peace of God stands God over your heart. That's what protects our hearts. That's what keeps us from losing hope here in Joburg in 2016. It's the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds. It's ours. When we pray, we exchange our anxiety for God's peace. And this peace transcends all understanding. David was a shepherd looking after sheep and, um, when he was a young boy. And even there, there were some hazardous situations that he came across. He, he writes about it and he says often a lion would come along and, and would take a sheep or a bear would come and grab one of the little lambs and... I mean, David was a committed guy. He says he would get up and he would charge on after the lion or charge on after the bear. I don't know about you, but if I'm looking after sheep and a lion takes one, I'm like, pay the tax man. You have that sheep. Enjoy that sheep. It's yours. You know, I'm not charging after the lion that grabbed the hold of the sheep. But David did. And with God's help, the Bible tells us he often overcame the lion and he overcame the bear. And he, it's that same guarding principle. And so David had a real understanding of what a shepherd was. And so he writes this beautiful psalm in Psalm 23, which I know that you've all heard a hundred times, but it's so good to just to hear it again. And he says this in Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I won't lack. I won't be in lack. God won't allow me to perish. He won't allow me to, to be lost. Because the Lord is my shepherd. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside waters of rest. This is what the presence of God and the presence of Jesus in our lives does. When we're in the midst of the turmoil, when we're in the midst of the chaos, when we're fighting the biggest battles, God comes alongside us as we trust in Him and He leads us into green pastures beside waters of rest. I did a wedding uh, yesterday, last night, in a little town close to Swaziland, the Swaziland border, just this beautiful little town, and we stayed on a farm. So I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning um, on this farm, and the sun, you know, when it just gets light before the sun comes up, that's kind of what we woke up to this morning. We had about a, a four-hour drive to get to church this morning, and, uh, and, and when I woke up, and it was just so peaceful, and there were just these incredibly uh, wide meadows that we were looking out and there were some horses grazing. And that's what, I, that's what I woke up to this morning. 
And I just thought about this scripture. It's like that's where God leads you. It was so peaceful. It was so quiet. It was so refreshing. And the Bible says that God leads our souls into that kind of a position. He causes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside waters of rest. He restores my soul. Restoration of your soul is what God does. When you're feeling burnt out, some of you may be feeling burnt out and anxious and angry and and hurt right now. But the shepherd restores your soul. He leads you into peace. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads our lives. He guides us in the paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It sounds intense, the valley of death. God is walking with us. Whatever you're facing, however, uh, one translation says the, the, the deepest, darkest valley. Even if you're going through the deepest, darkest valley, you're not alone. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's strength, God's authority comforts us in that time. And then he says this, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? Like all the things that are coming against your life right now, whether it is anxiety, whether it is stress, whether it is self-doubt, whether it is sin that you're struggling to break free from, whether it is relational issues, whether it is financial pressure, whatever it is that you are facing in your life right now, God prepares a table for you in the presence of all of your enemies. You get to sit down at the table. And even though you may be surrounded by this anxiety and these attacks, God has prepared a table for you in the presence of those enemies. You are going, you are going to feast and be nourished in the presence of your hardships. Isn't that incredible to know? Whatever you're going through right now, God is feeding you. He's causing you to be nourished. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. God's ability on our lives. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. I shall dwell with the presence of God. I shall live with God's presence within me and beside me and before me for all of my days. He never leaves us or forsakes us. God is with us. I oftentimes send some of my team members just some, some scriptures or a verse or two that I've really been thinking about. And this one verse for the last couple of weeks hasn't been able to escape my mind. And it's Isaiah 26 verse 3. And it says this, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The person whose mind is stayed on God, in other words, when we focus on who He is, when we focus on His goodness towards us, and when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we stay our minds on Him, He keeps us in perfect peace. Because keeping our minds focused on Him 
is because we trust Him. And so the answer for anxiety is to trust in God. And if you're struggling to trust in God, pray. And prayer will lead you into a place of trust. And trust will defeat every enemy. Your faith will cause the grace of God to abound in your life and to overcome every enemy and every obstacle. I know that anxiety is real. I've suffered the the consequences of anxiety in my own life. I've experienced big amounts of anxiety at a time, sometimes to the point where I thought like I wasn't going to be able to make it through this, where it feels like you're so snowed in or you're so, uh, you know, just under all of this, the weight of all of these things that you can almost not even see a way through. And I want to encourage you to when you feel the anxiety, not to try, go first into a mode of trying to control your environment, but to first go to God and to begin to pray. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we can cast our burdens onto Him because He cares for us. The more we do that, the more we'll see the victory of God at work in our lives and the peace of God will guard our hearts and guard our minds. Isn't that good? Let's go ahead and, and just pray together.